Welcome to the Binge on Self Laugh, a weekly podcast where we discuss everything about binge eating, procrastination, recovery, self laugh, and self acceptance. I'm your host Anna, but you can call me Anshi. Make sure to subscribe to Binge on Self Laugh podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more content on self-love and self-acceptance, visit bingeonselflove.com and follow me on Instagram at bingeonselflove. Disclaimer, Binge on Self-Love podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It doesn't provide a professional medical advice and it is not a substitute for diagnosis or treatment. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Binge on Self Laugh podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And let me start today by asking you a question. How many times have you felt misunderstood about your eating disorder? How many times have you felt like no one truly understands what it's like living with an eating disorder when even the simplest tasks such as going to a restaurant with your friends or eating in front of your family becomes a real struggle. I feel like eating disorders are now, luckily, more talked about than ever, but still the public opinion and knowledge on eating disorders are somewhat distorted and full of misconceptions. But it's not just the general public, our families and closest friends who have these misconceptions. It's also us who struggle with an eating disorder, who oftentimes find ourselves lost in the false information, myths and misconceptions. In today's episode, I would like to cover some of the most common misconceptions that we believe in, why they're misconceptions rather than the truth, and how each and every one of us can help to break the stigma around eating disorders. So let's get into the episode. Eating disorders are undoubtedly a difficult and confusing problem and topic to deal with for anyone, including those of us who are dealing with an eating disorder. Therefore, it's not really surprising that there's so many false beliefs and false information when it comes to an eating disorder. I think for a long time, eating disorders were associated with a certain stigma. It was something people wouldn't take into account and it was something we didn't talk about. When I, I remember when I was younger that a lot of models and actors and singers and celebrities that me and my family or my friends looked up to and followed and really liked, that they were often interviewed about how they stay in shape and they would always claim like, this is all genetics, I can eat whatever I want. And which like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's true. But later on, as I grew up, a lot of those celebrities would come out and admit they at some point in their life they were struggling with an eating disorder and I think it's the same today when we follow people on social media and YouTube and the internet and we see these people living their perfect lives and looking perfect and we like kind of buy the idea that if we will do what they do then they we will look like them. At some point many of those people admit that they are currently struggling or were struggling in the past with an eating disorder. One thing I really, really like about social media today is that so many people share their experience with an eating disorder and they show the reality of it and encourage others to address their issues and embark the recovery journey. 
And I think that's really, really important to share and to speak about these things and to kind of break the stigma around eating disorders. One of the reasons why I think so many people have misconceptions on eating disorder is that many of us have never been properly educated on eating disorders. When I was like 13 or 14, I remember we had one class at an elementary school, like one lesson, and the teacher sort of explained that something like an eating disorder exists and that there are two types, anorexia and bulimia, And people with anorexia don't eat while people with bulimia eat but throw up. And there is like special recovery facility for people with an eating disorder where they pretty much get helped. I'm really simplifying it here because I don't remember that much what we talked about. But I remember it was just really general information, one class in the elementary school and that's it. I do understand though it's not easy to talk about such a deep and serious topic with kids and teenagers but on the other hand I think it's important to teach young kids about the mental health issues and to say that mental health is just as important as our physical health. Another reason why I think we have these misconceptions is that It's not really easy to understand something you've never been through. And this obviously applies to every problem in life, to every situation, to every struggle. It's hard for someone who never ever had a problem with food to understand why someone is not able to eat or is not able to control what they eat. But yet again, that's why I think it's so important to share our experience, to talk about these things and to help others understand what we're feeling and what's going on. Last but not least, I also feel that binge eating disorder is paradoxically talked about the least, even though it's the most common eating disorders of them all. According to National Eating Disorders Association, almost 3 million adults in the USA have a binge eating disorder. I will link to this research in the show notes because there are so many interesting numbers. But please keep in mind that this statistic is from 2013. I couldn't find any newer number. So there is probably even higher percentage of people who struggle with binge eating disorder now. Now let's discuss the misconceptions themselves. As always, this is not an exhaustive list of all misconceptions there are, but I've tried to pick up those that I think are the most common ones, the most relevant, and also the worst that we believe in. The number one misconception that prevails among people is that the way somebody looks indicates whether or not they have an eating disorder. What I mean by that is that people often think that only quote-unquote skinny people have an eating disorder, which is completely false and untrue. How much somebody weighs doesn't necessarily reflect someone has an eating disorder. The problem is that we may see someone being really, really thin and people automatically label you as, oh, this person must have anorexia or just doesn't eat enough, which may not be true at all. You can't really tell someone has an eating disorder just by how much they weighed because there are so many other factors that need to be looked at. And by labeling someone as anorexic or as having an eating disorder could cause a lot of harm. Trust me that so many people have an eating disorder that you would never know about simply because they don't fit the quote-unquote you must be skinny to have an eating disorder stereotype. 
I kind of understand where this could be coming from because I think that when people think of an eating disorder, they usually think of anorexia, of people not eating, of people looking thin to the bone. And yeah, that's the picture that we've kind of been thought to have when it comes to an eating disorder. But it's important to remember that people of all shapes and sizes can have an eating disorder. And when someone's underweight or overweight, it doesn't automatically mean they have an eating disorder. And equally, when someone is a healthy body weight, it doesn't mean they cannot have an eating disorder. The way that an eating disorder manifests will be individual. Someone can be eating, but they will be really restrictive about what they eat and when they eat it. And maybe they will have just few quote-unquote safe food. They will feel okay eating. Someone can be eating pretty normally in front of other people, but can binge or starve or perch when they are on their own. I think when kids and adults are educated about eating disorders that they learn that there is so much more to it than just person eating or not eating and that there are many more factors and signs to look for other than just the body weight. For example, some of the factors can be changed in the behavior, uh, whether the person is more isolated than before or whether the person has a physical sign such as being constantly swollen, tired or dealing with mood swings, avoiding having meals together with other people and stuff like that. But obviously these factors don't necessarily mean someone has an eating disorder. It's really difficult to figure out pretty much unless you're living with that person or spend a lot of time with them. And even then it can be pretty hard. If you have concerns that someone close to you could be having an eating disorder, then the best you could do is talk to them about it, but be really, really mindful, do not judge, just simply share your worries and let them know you really care about them and show them your support. I know it's really hard to speak about this with someone because you worry, what if I say something wrong and what if I'll make the situation even worse? So if you're not sure what to do and how to speak about this to someone, it could be a really good idea to find a professional and get an, get an advice on what to do. I leave links to a few articles that explain how to approach someone who could be having an eating disorder in the show notes. So maybe that could be helpful. Misconception number two that prevails is that only young teenage girls have eating disorders. And this couldn't be further from the truth. Eating disorders affect people regardless of their age and gender. And partially I understand where this misconception could be coming from. Because in our teenage years we become really self-conscious about how we look. And we feel a lot of pressure to feel accepted by our group of friends and group of our peers. Obviously, by no means this goes away just as you get older. But I think in the teenage years especially, it's when we often get this false idea that we must look a certain way. So we search for means how to affect it and how to control it. And food is being one of the ways. But it's important to realize that people can develop an eating disorder at any age and it doesn't necessarily need to be associated with controlling the way you look. It can also be a way how you deal with your emotions, how you perceive having control over life and many other things. It's really important that we break the stigma that only girls and especially young girls can have an eating disorder so more people can feel comfortable to share their problems with someone without feeling judged so they can get the help they need.
Misconception number three is that binge eating is not a real eating disorder. And it's important to say that until 2013, it wasn't officially recognized as an eating disorder by the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders by the American Psychiatric Association. It is extremely important step to finally addressing the issue being diagnosed and for people being able to get the help they need. In other countries, however, the approach and recognition of binge eating as an official eating disorder may be different. And what's really sad is that binge eating disorder is so common among people and still we talk so little about it. I remember back in 2013 when I first realized that I was binge eating or I mean I didn't really know that I had binge eating disorder because I had no idea something like that even existed but I just knew I had a problem and I had no idea what's wrong and I remember back then I couldn't find much resources on that especially in the country I live in. I live in a pretty small country and I remember I found a girl who had a blog and she shared her story and it was pretty much like mine she was eating pretty normally but then something happened and she started binge eating and after some time she could no longer control it and she didn't know why she was doing it and I'm really grateful that I found her blog because I felt literally crazy for eating so much food and for not being able to control myself but most importantly I had no idea what's wrong what's going on At first, I thought binge eating was just a consequence of anorexia and that my body was compensating what I wasn't able to eat before. And partially, that was true. It was a consequence of anorexia. But also, it became just another way how to cope with feelings and emotions. Through her blog and her experience and her post, I got my hands on the book called Brain Over Binge by Katrin Hansen, which at the time was one of the very few books that I could find and that actually covered the binge eating disorder and binge eating disorder issues. What I found really hard or pretty much impossible was to find someone like a psychologist or a professional who would be experienced in helping people with binge eating disorder. There were plenty of professionals who focused on anorexia or bulimia, but I couldn't really find anyone who would have any experience with binge eating disorder. Again, I know the reason number one is that I live in a pretty small country and in a small city where it's really difficult to find someone like that. And I also wanted to say that at the very beginning, I did a huge mistake because I found an influencer on the Instagram who also had a previous experience with both anorexia and binge eating and she was doing this so-called macro coaching, which I at the time I found really, really interesting because I felt like this could be the solution to my binge eating problems. Basically, the idea of the macro coaching was that she would set the amount of calories I should consume every single day based on the information I've provided to her. And she would set me a ratio between protein, carbohydrates and fats. And then she would update it every week based on how I was feeling and based on how everything would work for me. And at the beginning, I felt this could really be a great way how to deal with my binge eating because it provided me with enough flexibility to eat basically what I wanted as long as it fit into the macros that she set for me. But obviously the most important part was that most of the macros would come from 
nutritional food, not junk food. And I also like the idea that I'm getting help from someone who's been through the same. But unfortunately, this didn't last very long because she was not a professional. She didn't really have any education on this part. And so it became like really obvious that this wasn't going to work. It was my mistake that I really got into this because she wasn't a professional, she wasn't even claiming to be one. But at the same time, I know that I was really, really desperate to find any kind of help I could get and I was literally seeking any straws of hope. Eventually, I found a psychologist who focused on eating disorder and she was kind of able to help me with this. The most important thing is that if you have a problem with binge eating or with any type of eating disorder, or you think you might have a problem with an eating disorder, it's important that you get a professional help from someone who's educated in this field. And binge eating disorder being officially recognized is only going to make it possible for people to get help they need. Binge eating is so common and the issue with this is that it's not such a visible eating disorder. People usually binge in private so it can be really difficult to know someone's struggling with it and oftentimes I think it's hard as well for the person themselves to admit that they have this problem. Another false belief is that when you're someone with an eating disorder then the solution to your problem is to either gain weight or lose weight. And after that, you're cured, you're recovered, you're healthy, and you no longer have any problems. I understand that in some cases, when the person's body weight is life-threatening, that the most important thing, obviously, is to get them to the point when they're physically healthy so they can focus on the recovery. But at the same time, I think it's important to focus on the mind and on how we perceive our weight gain or weight loss. I think that so many people think that just gaining the weight you need or losing weight is is the most important part of the recovery. But the most important part, of course, besides like the life-threatening weight that I've said, is to really focus on the mind and to learn to accept your body and to try to find the roots of the problems. I started seeing a psychologist when I was, I think, 17 because I was struggling with anorexia and although I did gain the weight I needed, I felt like it was always the approach of both the doctor and from my family. Like, now you've gained weight, you're healthy and it means you're cured. But it wasn't like that, it wasn't like that at all. I truly wanted to get better, I knew that starving myself and my body wasn't a solution to any problem, but I no longer felt like it was really under my control. During my recovery, people got really happy when they saw me eating or when they saw me have gained some weight, which gave me this weird feeling like, okay, so I'm probably allowed to eat whatever I want now because I had this problem and people like encouraged me to do so. So I kept eating and eating and I kept this feeling for a long, long time after I reached the healthy body weight and I got my period back and people basically stopped caring. And that really led me to not knowing how to handle the weight I've gained. I was officially cured, but I didn't feel like that because I've, it, I've only changed one problem for another. 
I was no longer starving, but I was just eating way too much to the point when I was physically sick. I really didn't know how to stop it. I got this, I built this really weird relationship with food that I didn't know how to handle. And I know this is going to be different for everybody and it's definitely possible to recover without dealing with binge eating. What I think is really important is to focus on the mental health, on the mental part as well. It's not just about the gaining weight. And there will definitely be moments when you feel super uncomfortable and you want to give up the recovery and you want to lose the weight and you want to go back into your old habits. But that's I that's really what I think you should be thought at the during the recovery process what to do when these moments come because they will inevitably come so that's what i think it's really really important to learn throughout your recovery journey so because i have a few more misconceptions i would like to cover i thought it could be a great idea to split this episode into two parts so the next time i will bring you a few more misconceptions surrounding eating disorders at the very end i would like to say that it's really really important we break the stigma around eating disorder and that we share our stories and that we support and encourage one another And what we can do to break the stigma and stop spreading the false information and misconceptions is education, educate people, educate kids, educate adults on eating disorders. Number two is sharing our experience. It's not easy at all to share what you've been through, but it can help so many people to either admit that they have a problem and to like find help, but it can also help other people to understand people with an eating disorder better and another way we can break the stigma is having an open mind when someone is having an eating disorder try to really listen to see their point of view see where uh, where they're coming from and not to judge the more we talk about it the more people will be able to understand it and the more we understand it the more we can support someone who's struggling with an eating disorder And I believe lots of these misconceptions and false ideas about eating disorders can be dispelled by simply having these conversations with someone. I would really love to hear your feedback on this and know if you have any other misconceptions that you've met with or whether you agree with some of this, some of the misconceptions I've shared or whether there are some I left out. So I will be really, really happy to hear from you. So please feel free to send me an email at anci at bingeonselflove.com. Thank you so much for taking your time and tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe to Binge and Selva podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episode. You can find more content on binge eating, self-acceptance and procrastination and bingeonselflove.com and follow Binge on Self Love on Instagram. Talk to you soon. Bye.